Amen. It's good to be together, isn't it? Happy 4th of July to everyone here. It's good to gather, isn't it? Good to gather. And I'm excited for this day. Uh, I don't think I've ever been as excited for a July 4th as I am today. I have celebrated, just like you, July 4th every year, and I enjoy the barbecue part of, of it and the fireworks, and I always knew, you know, the history, I knew what we were celebrating, but um, the fact that it that Sunday landed on a July 4th made me look at it in a much uh, more spiritual eye than I probably have ever looked at it before, so uh, I'm excited to preach to you today. Uh, we are a blessed nation, aren't we? We are so blessed. God has truly blessed this nation more than we realize. Much more than you realize. Um, I just heard a statistic yesterday in preparation for the sermon. And, you know, actually, let me read this verse. Jimmy gave me a verse before the sermon. And it's Psalm 33, 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. We are blessed because God was the center of this nation. God was the foundation of this nation. And I'm going to get into it, but they're trying to rewrite that history and trying to remove God from our history, and it's just not true. I'll get more into that in a moment. We are so blessed, and we've been blessed because God was the center. It's not a coincidence that we, the only nation in history second to Israel that made a covenant with God as a nation, not just the people within a nation, but as a nation made a covenant with God. And we are the only nation in the world that was not an ethnicity. We were literally filled with so many from around the world, right? We had moved from all around the world to here, and then we made a covenant with God. God, we want you to be the center of this nation. And so the statistic I heard yesterday was that we are 4% of the world's population. So there's 96% of the population surrounds the rest of the world. And you know out of that 4%, 4%, that's us, we produce more technology, more inventions, more medical breakthroughs, more art, more in the media, etc., than all of the 96% of the world. Little us, little 4% of the world produces more uh, than the rest of the entire world combined. It's not a coincidence. God was the center of this nation, and he wants to be the center again. Amen. July 4th, 1776, the United States, 244 years ago today, we made a declaration. And we celebrate this declaration. We thank God for his faithfulness to this country. And we also thank the brave men and women who sought God and gave their lives willingly, so willingly, for our freedom that we have today. So today, we say to America... Happy birthday. Just like a human being that is born, we celebrate our birthdays, right? And I was thinking how we should be celebrating the mom 
on the birthday. <laughs> because the birthday's easy to celebrate, right? The baby had nothing to do with it. Baby just comes into the world and then expects gifts once a year just for being in this world. Meanwhile, uh, all the husbands can agree because they were alongside their wives, but the wives felt the pain. All the struggle and the pain and the morning sickness, right, and the thinking and the planning and even arguing and fighting, right, and painting rooms and repainting them and buying endless things that you don't need, but you don't know that yet to your third child. And all of that to bring a child into the, the earth. And so when we say happy birthday, it's easy just to forget, and I think most children do, that's why we have a Mother's Day, right? But we forget what it took for that birthday, and equally, just as uh, we celebrate the birthday, equally uh, with the struggle that was before that moment of birth, then now there's an entire life uh, for parents, we can all, you know, we were children once, and now we're parents, right? And we can understand both sides, the free, you know, the free, the, the freedom that you have as a child, you kind of just come and go and run around, and you don't realize that your parents are literally stressing out night and day over you, making sure that you're not getting into trouble, you know, you're not doing the wrong things. How are you thinking? What are you doing? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Who can agree now? Uh, you can see both sides. You were the child that was free and didn't think anything of doing something wrong, not realizing, you know, the strain and pressure it puts on a parent, right? And the parent must then continue to pray and seek God and fast and continue that struggle really before the birth for the rest of that child's life until, you know, until one of us is gone from the earth, Right? You're going to continue that. And so today I want us to think about that. I want us to think about, as we think about July 4th, that it was not just a day and it was not just a declaration. It wasn't just a signing of, the, of this paper, but there was a tremendous amount of uh, struggle and a pregnancy, if you will, that went into that signing. And then also what it took, what that declaration meant, what that commitment meant, and what it was uh, really for the people of that time, it was not going to come easy, uh, but if they trusted God, just as we trust God with our children, they believed for this nation, just as we believe for our children, that God will bless this child, God will bless this nation, which is a child, it was really a child of, th of their thought, of their imagination, <laughs> They thought it's possible. We can have democracy. We can, it had never been done before. We cannot have a king. We can have the people working together. And ultimately, you know, there's still going to be this, a, a, a guy over top kind of as a, an image. But ultimately, we know that God's above him. And so it was actually called the American Experiment. Do you guys know that? Some history. It was called the American Experiment because it had never been done before. And we can see today, I mean, just hearing this statistic, a lot of uh, what's trying to happen today, the, the devil's actually trying to destroy the image of America for a couple of reasons. Number one is it makes us uh, disrespect what God really did to get us here. But also, 
it's to try to just mar the whole image. Really, this nation has done more. I don't have the exact statistic, but I brought it to the pulpit before. We have done more in the missionary field than all the other nations of the world. Do you realize that? This nation has done more in the missionary field for the gospel of Jesus Christ than any nation in the world. And so, you know, there's going to be some errors along the way. Everybody say errors. There's going to be some mars in, in our image. There's going to be some scars. Who sitting here is a perfect person? Anybody willing to raise your hand and say you're a perfect person? <laughs> And yet, what they want us to, to think today is that we are an imperfect nation, so that means that we have to forget the whole thing and squash the whole thing. Imagine God threw us out because of our imperfections. Now, does that mean that they don't matter? Who thinks that if you were to murder someone, right, which is an in, that's quite an imperfection, who would be thankful and great, uh, grateful to God sitting in prison, because there's many miracles like this, that later realized the, the, the grave sin that they committed and actually repented to God and were forgiven and are in heaven with the Lord today, right? Imagine if God judged them based on their imperfections and not on what God saw in them. Amen. And imagine we... Like society today were to judge this nation based on its imperfections. God, God doesn't see things the way we do. You know that. All of our imperfections actually and our scars, we know as individuals, help us to what? To grow and to become better. If it wasn't for you going through a traumatic experience and making mistakes you would never know that you needed to improve. We'd all just be in pride thinking we're all perfect because we're not. And neither is this nation. And yet, just like an individual who's imperfect relies on God and God guides them through their life, even making mistakes, this nation, even being imperfect, is being guided by the hand of God. Amen. I want to read to you, and I want to prove to you, and I believe that you, I don't think you're here to argue with me, but the Declaration of Independence, when they made this determination, uh, this decision, uh, it was one that was not just flippant and not just well thought in their minds, but also, I don't have the time here today, but was filled and I have been thinking on this really for years, but it kind of culminated into this sermon. I've been thinking on this for years, that uh, they must have. I said, I've said to God, because, you know, rebellion and, and, uh, and, and uh, disrespect to our elders and our leaders is a very complicated, sensitive issue, isn't it? And I thought, man, to make this decision, literally to say, you are no longer our king any longer, you would have to seek God and then seek God again and then again and then it would have to you would have to be pushed to your absolute brink and we don't have time for a history lesson but that's exactly what was happening you can go and do some history 
and you can come and see me, and I'm going to actually, I feel like I need to be refreshing it again, and I'm going to get it for the kids this year for school, and I'm going to renew that and remind myself of what I had learned. I had learned as a teenager the real history, the true Christian history to this nation, and I've never forgotten it, but I need a refresher, and I want to be reminded of all the details and so many characters that just get washed away because we're trying to remove Christianity from this nation. So then, you know, the stories get removed because their stories are so Christian. And yet, God was with them not uh, just uh, in coming here and in search for freedom, but he was with them, and this is strange to think, so you got to seek the Lord for this, but he was with them and making this declaration, telling this earthly king, you are no longer our king. God was with them. And they actually made sure that God was the center of this. And this is the last paragraph of the Declaration of Independence. It says, we therefore, the representatives of the United States of America in general Congress, assembled, appealing to the supreme judge of the world. They said, we appeal to the supreme judge of the world. And then they said later, it says, and for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence. This is how these men spoke. And this is what they wrote into our Declaration of Independence. We just don't read these things. We don't. America's, you know, it's still even there in front of us, and they won't even look at it, but they said, we are going to rely on the protection of divine providence on God. We mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. In other words, we're going to put ourselves on the, on the, on the, on the line here. We're going to trust God, and if it costs us everything, we believe that God is with us and God is in this. Amen. God was involved in this nation from the beginning. The modern lie that is growing is that God had little or no involvement in this nation or its founding, hence the known phrase, separation of church and state. But it's simply not true. Our early American government was not separated from God. I'm going to do a little more reading today than preaching. I'm going to pre keep preaching, but I want to make sure I read because I took some thought into to these words. Sometimes I have the notes and then I just go, but uh, I'm going to do a little more reading. Um, so we were not separated from God. It's just the opposite. God and his word, the Bible, was a central part of the preparation, declaration, and the following years to establish us as the United States of America. What separation of church and state actually meant was that the government would not tell you how, when, or who to worship. That was the separation. The separation was for not for them to uh, have control over the church. It would not meddle in the beliefs of the church or direct its function, but would allow the church to be free of government control, ironically, not ignoring God, 
but giving the governing power to the church, the governing power of the church to God himself. Wow. It's not that they were unaware or ignored God, but they realized that the church must be led by God himself. And equally, government separated from the control over the church was filled with men who understood that very principle, that God is ruler over them. They wanted to keep the government out of the church, but there is immense proof that they had no intention of keeping God out of government. I'm going to say that again. They wanted to keep government out of the church, but there is immense proof that they had no intention of keeping God out of government. John Dickinson, he was one of the 39 signers of the Constitution, and he said, our cause is nothing less than to maintain the liberty with which heaven itself has made us free. One of the 39 signers of the Constitution, he says, what we're doing here today, signing this, is because heaven has given us this liberty, and so we as a nation, we want, to be li- we want to live like heaven would. That is literally just, he he's literally acting like Jesus told us to when he said, I want you to pray this way. Our Father is in heaven, right? He's saying, Father's in heaven, but he says, Jesus says, uh, your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. So God is in heaven, but we want your will to be acted out in this earth. And so when they wrote the laws and designed this government, they fashioned it after what Jesus said, which is that the earth under God in heaven. Amen. Thomas Jefferson's pastor. Now, Thomas Jefferson is known as the, is the atheist. <laughs> and yet he had a pastor. This is the, what the pastor said. His name was Reverend Charles Clay. The sacred cause of liberty, all right, and that's what we are. We are the liberty, the Liberty Bell, Statue of Liberty. What what we are is liberty, right? That's what this nation represents. He says the sacred cause of liberty is the cause of God. It says in the book of Luke chapter 4, In Luke chapter 4, verse 17, I'm going to read out of the New King James Version. They hand Jesus, verse 17, the Bible, and he reads out of the book of Isaiah, and it says, verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. You know, these words, portions of this are written (laughs) on so much of our original history. When they designed, and when they sat down and said, what are we as a nation? They didn't just think up, okay, well, this nation did this and that nation did that. And there were definitely elements, right? Parliament is obviously very similar to Parliament of England, right? So some things came with them, but they brought God into the center of it. 
Maybe where they had felt like it hadn't been the center of where they had come from in their history. And so they brought him into it. And, you know, the first national anthem was actually uh, America, my country, tis of thee. Who knows that song? Right? It's 1831, and it was first performed on July 4th, 1831. He said, first paragraph, which we all know so well, My country, tis of thee, sweet land of liberty, of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride, from every mountainside, let freedom ring. What freedom? What liberty? Directly from the concept of God and Jesus' purpose in the earth, which is to give us liberty. That Jesus literally came into the earth to bring liberty to us. And they said, when we, when we rule this nation, we want to mirror God and we want the liberty of Jesus Christ to be the center. And even our national anthem, the last paragraph of the song is, Our Father's God to Thee. Let me read that again. Just remember the foundation? Remember our heathen, atheist nation? You guys remember the history? No, not true. This is our original national anthem. And the last paragraph is, Our Father's God to thee, author of liberty. So when they called it the Liberty Bell, when we called it the Statue of Liberty, you know, I don't have time to get into it, but there's so much conspiracy. There's so much demonic stuff going alongside. You know, that, the, that, that Washington looks like a pentagram, and we've got all these weird monuments and things that, you know, obelisks. And sure, you know what? That makes complete sense because, you know, Adam and Eve were made in the image of God. Where was Satan? Anybody know? When Adam and Eve were made in the image of God and placed in the garden, where was Satan? In the garden. Came as a serpent to try to twist and mess up what God was doing. It's not a surprise to me that the devil was also in the founding of this nation. It doesn't mean he founded it. And it doesn't mean he was able to twist it. Just means he's got his fingerprints all over it because we still live in this fallen earth. But go through your Bible. Give me one character that didn't have Satan there with his fingerprints all over him. Even David, who Jesus talks about, God can't talk about him enough. He's got some fingerprints from Satan on him, doesn't he? Come on. Does that mean that God rejected him and that God wasn't with him? Absolutely not. Don't be ridiculous. He brought Jesus through his seed because he loved him. And so, yes, we have some fingerprints of Satan upon us that, you know what? I'm not saying that we shouldn't repent for them, but we shouldn't dwell on those things and look at those fingerprints of, of, of Satan upon this nation and think that's it, we're lost and we've always been heathen and look, Satan, it's just a satanic nation. That is not true. This was God's land. This was founded by him. When you say you're an American, it's not proud just because you wave a flag and you know the songs, but you must be proud that you are part of a nation that was founded by God himself. Amen. I'm proud to say that. The last paragraph says... Our Father's God to thee, he's the author of liberty. To thee we sing. What? You talking, you tell me the national anthem was a worship song? To thee we sing. We're not, we're going to just, we're going to just put America on pause here, Lord. 
Because we're realizing I can't even sing about America without singing to you. You know what? America, and it's so sweet, and, and, and those that have died, right? Go to the first paragraph. Pilgrim's pride and those that have died in the mountainside. Oh, it's beauty, but I have to just pause. I love this nation, Lord, but to really sing about this nation, a real national anthem, to thee we sing. Lord! He says, long may our land be bright with freedom's holy light. Whoa! TJ, you want to come up and sing this song for church? Protect us by thy might, great God, our king. Wow. What king? Why was that so significant, 1831, that this was our national anthem? Because we had recognized that a king on the earth, a king on the earth had tried to rule them, and they realized that he had become tyrannical, that his rule that he was tr- of elevated himself above God and was going to decide who and how and when, etc., that we were going to be a people in worship. And they sought for that freedom, and God granted it to them. I want you also to notice, I want to look again at that last paragraph of the Declaration of Independence, and it says that our firm reliance is on the protection of divine providence. Does anybody know what that word providence means? Now, the dictionary says that this word providence is the protective care of God or of nature as a spiritual power. So the word providence means protective care. But we know that when they wrote that, they weren't looking at dictionaries and saying, let's think of a good word. Here's a dictionary. Here's this word. And let's write down that word. But they knew that there was a deeper meaning because they understood the spiritual meaning to this word providence, when they wrote that there in the, in the end of the Declaration of Independence, they recognized this. The word providence, and they all knew Latin really well. We don't know Latin, but they all knew Latin. <laughs> and this word is actually, providence is where we get the English word video, right? You can even see it in the middle there, providence, right? V-I-D, right? We can see it, E. And that's where we get Julius Caesar. He said, I don't know how to pronounce it, but I'm going to say it. Veni, Vidi, Vici, right? Vici, right? I came, I saw, I conquered, right? So it's where we get saw. That's why we have video. It's because it's see. So when we see this word providence, it means to see. It means that God saw. It means that he looked. It means that they were like, okay, we're going to trust in God who sees. And it's not just that he sees. It's not just foreknowledge. It's not just foresight, but it's much greater than that. It's that God, uh, who is the providence, God who's looking over us, is that he sees, he's looking, he's watching over this nation, but also that the closest word that we can get to in our, in our language Uh, to the Latin, is this word provision. And it's not just that God sees and he saw and he had foreknowledge, but that he would provide, that he would look after and provide for us, which is very interesting because Jesus told us, I don't want you to focus on on this earth. I don't want you to focus on trying to think about what you're going to do and how you're going to do it and what you're going to wear and what you're going to eat. My Father will take care of all those things. You look to me and you trust in me. And right there in the Declaration of Independence, they had an understanding that it was impossible to do anything. They said, that's why we're going to give our lives, give our fortunes, even our honor, 
Because we realize that we cannot do this, that it's got to be God. In fact, do you realize that the American army was a ragtag bunch of farmers going against the most elite army and navy, we didn't even have a navy, of the world. England in the time was the most elite of the world, and we were what? Just a bunch of farmers here. And yet, we conquered them not because we were really good at war, but because we trusted in God. And God had his plan and his purpose for this nation. Amen. Can I get an amen? <laughs> the first time we actually see the word providence in the Bible is in the Old Testament, and we have Abraham. And Abraham is taking his son Isaac up to be sacrificed. And Isaac says to him, this is in Genesis 22, and he says, actually, we'll go to, you can pull up Genesis 22, verse 7. And he says to him, he's like, I, you know, hey, um, I noticed something here on our way up here. Notice you got the wood and you got the knife. And I know we're going to do a sacrifice, but I don't see uh, the lamb. And he says, in Genesis 22, 7, he says, I'm seeing all these things, verse 8. But he says, Abraham says to him, my son, God will provide for himself. I want you to say that out loud. God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two men went together. Abraham was bringing his son, and we know, because the Bible tells us, tells us in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews, that he trusted God so much that even if it meant killing his son, he knew that God, who was greater than even his love for his son, God was even greater, that God somehow, he said, it says in Hebrews that, it doesn't tell us that in Genesis, but in Hebrews it says that he thought that even if he dies, God will bring him back to life. That's how much he trusted God. And it's the first time we actually see this word, providence, this word in our Old Testament, is that God was going to provide the burnt offering. God would provide what was needed to do what he asked Abraham to do. I want you to hear that clearly. God asked Abraham to do it, but Abraham relied on God to fulfill it. Amen. God had put it in the hearts of our founding fathers to strive after liberty in a model after God and God's kingdom, but they believed that there was no way to do that humanly because we would make mistakes, and we made many throughout history, and we're still, we are still getting closer and closer to God, making things right, still working out the mess, right? That's, that's the human part. But God was with us and is still with us, and he provided for us and blessed us. Amen. I want you also to consider what has to line up in our timeline. Things have to be in place and people's hearts have to be in line with the will of God. Even evil hearts, I want you to understand this, even evil hearts have to be in line for God to do what he wanted to do in this nation. It is clear. Again, it's 12.05, and I know it's 4th of July, so I'm not going to take three hours and give you a history lesson. But I will say in one minute that it is so clear that God was with us and with our founding. It is so clear. And yet, and that's it. That's your minute. What I see 
in God's word is that even evil people, right? At times, right? Evil people and evil hearts. God did not make them evil, but he used them and used even the tyranny of England to produce the freedom that we have today. That doesn't mean that God made the king of England evil, didn't make him tyrannical. It just means that God said this is the moment that, that I knew even before time began that, that this is how his heart would be and I'm going to use it to inspire this people to truly trust in me and create a nation that has been lined up with the kingdom of God. We can look and actually in our Bible, the book of Exodus chapter 3, we have Moses, Exodus 3, verse 1. Moses, he's tending his flocks and he sees a burning bush. He says, I, I don't know why this bush is not burning up. He turns aside and he goes to see it. Verse 3, he says, it's amazing. Verse 4, comes to take a closer look and then God speaks to him. All right, so Moses is having an encounter with God himself. God is speaking. Verse 7, he says, I have certainly seen the oppression. I want you to see it out loud. Say this out loud. God sees our oppression. You know, even now, even what is going on in this nation right now, God sees it. I want you to say it so that you believe it. God sees it. He sees the imperfections. Come on, say it out loud. He sees the oppressions. But he also sees the end from the beginning. There is not a moment that God has not seen, and there is nothing even as oppressive and as dark and as low and as hard as it possibly could be. There is nothing that God can't turn and will turn and use for his providential plan and purpose. Amen. So God tells Moses, just like he's telling us today, just like the men who wrote the declaration 245 years ago knew, and we must know it again right now. We must know the same thing that they knew then when they penned those words. God has seen us, and he says, I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering I, verse 8, have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile land and spacious land. And he goes on and talks about how, how it's going to be blessed and what it's going to be. And verse 9, the cry of the people has reached me, and I've heard, I've seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh you must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. Now Moses protests, but God says, I will be with you, verse 12. And he says, this is the sign that I'm with you. He says, when they say who has sent you, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. And he says, verse 16, Now go and call together all the elders of Israel. Tell them, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to me and he's told me, I'm watching you closely. And I see how the Egyptians are treating you. I have promised, verse 17, to rescue you from your oppression in Egypt. 
And I will lead you to a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Parasites, and so on. But I know, verse 19, now this is interesting. This is what I wanted to get to. Even evil. God is not surprised by evil kings. God is not surprised by evil in the earth. And God's got a plan even to use tyranny, even to use evil. He will use it. It will cause and sometimes we don't understand this, but sometimes you need to be stung by A.B. to realize that there's a nest right there. <laughs> wow. Sometimes the irritation needs to hit you a little so that you realize we're in danger just enough. Not sadistically, God doesn't want to see us suffer, but sometimes he allows just enough so that we rise up and we say, I must flee from this, or I must deal with this, etc. And so uh, the tyranny of Pharaoh was actually allowed so that they realized this is, a not, this is not our home. We're not supposed to be here. And they sought for freedom. If it was not for the harshness of Pharaoh, they would not have ever left. They would not have become, they would not have pursued the destiny that God had for them as a people to be their own nation. Isn't that interesting? And so now thousands of years later, America's on this same precipice 245 years ago and in many ways mirrored today that the devil is always trying to oppress God's people and he's trying to oppress this nation and remove God from this nation. And if we as his people will cry out just like they did here 4,000 years ago, and if we will do it like they did 245 years ago, God sees, God is aware, and God has a plan. But this is what I want you to see. Not only is uh, all of that true, but it says, verse 17, I'm going to do it, verse 19 but I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand forces him. God said, I'm looking, I see the issue, but Pharaoh's heart is hard. Now, many people have, we look at the verses, and it's even misinterpreted in Romans 9. We think that God just pulls our strings. Some people have interpreted that, that we're just like puppets, and God's the puppet master, and we just... You know, Mar Marionacha, how do you say that? Marionette, right. Marionettes. But we are not like that, just puppets pulled. God sees our hearts. He knows our hearts. He gives us the opportunity to repent. Pharaoh could have repented every step of the way. God saw his heart. Now, we read the verse. It says God hardens his heart, and we don't understand. It was for his purpose, right? God needed them. He actually needed the hardness so that they would actually pursue God and be the nation that he called them to be. But God didn't actually make Pharaoh hard. He just hardened the hardness that was already in there because this is what it says. It says, this is my Bible. It's not my interpretation. I know the king of Egypt. He will not let you go. I know the king. I know his heart. And so, verse 20, I will raise my hand and I'll strike the Egyptians, performing all kinds of miracles among them. Then at last he will let you go. 
And then he says, all these blessings again, and you will dress finally, verse 22, you're going to leave and you're going to be blessed, and you're going to strip them of their wealth. That's exactly what happened with the United States and England. Exact. And it was not that the king was even, uh, that God even had to uh, harden and, and, and do something uh, that was against his nature, but he was already hard. He was already tyrannical, so the Lord worked with it and used it. You know, all of those that are evil today that are trying to destroy us and rip away our freedoms that we have in this nation and try to mar the flag and mar all this history, we can actually look exactly the same way to God as they did and call upon him again. We can look and we can say, God, you are greater, Lord, than all of this tyranny and all of the evil, and the devil's fingerprints are on our nation, but God, we can be better, we can be greater, we can trust you to use it to fuel us to be the nation that you've called us to be. Amen. In fact, I want to just tell you this. God is so much involved in this nation that I think some of you know this, but maybe some of you don't. In 1826, two of our five original founding fathers died on the same exact day. Did you know that? Two, 1826, and in 1831, now wait, I'm going to get you, James Monroe dies. Now, what day do you think that all three of these men, James Monroe dies within five years, but two die on the same day. James Monroe is within five years of him. All three of the original five that sat down, they died on July 4th. So they wrote this declaration. God, they said a promise. They said, God, even our lives are in your hands. Our lives, our fortunes, our honor, it's in your hands. God says, okay, I'll take you up on that. They all lived long lives. It's not like God robbed them of their lives and they died young. Just to prove his point that he was, his hand was over this nation. But that they were to die on the day they declared this freedom, something that God had put in their heart, which cost them dearly, it cost them all, they knew that that was a death sentence to write their name. When they signed their names on that Declaration of Independence, that was a death sentence. And when they did that, and they wrote these words, God was with them, and to prove it for us. I mean, they didn't need to be proved, it didn't need to be proved to them, because they're in heaven in glory with Christ. Right, whether it's July 5th or July 3rd, they were with Christ. And they knew that they had given what they had done what God had asked them to do and birthed this nation and trusted him. And their death was not for them on that date, but it was for us. It was for America to be encouraged and to see not only has God been with us, but if he has been with us this long, come on, we know this in Christianity. If God has led us this far, why would he abandon us now? You think that God's going to abandon us in 2021? You think 2020 came and God was surprised and now he's like, I don't know what to do with you guys. He loves us so much. He loves this nation so much. I don't, again, I don't have time. We're, we're like late now for what I planned on July 4th. But there was so many covenants. You know that George Washington got on his knees and he made a covenant. He said, God, I'm going to paraphrase, but basically he said, God, 
I'll lead this nation as a man. You're God. I'm going to look to you. You lead as God. I'll lead as man. We work together. I promise to honor you and honor your word and lead like you would want me to lead, and you promise to bless us. You know, isn't that incredible? Isn't that amazing? This is what was said, actually, not today. You know, I love how we're re trying to rewrite history. You know, it's like trying to rewrite the Bible. We're trying to do that, too. But let's go back to the horse's mouth. Let's go back to history. This is what the newspaper said at this, at the, uh, on July 4th when this happened. It actually happened on July 4th, 1831, when James Monroe, he dies at 73, and it says, they said, it's remarkable, and in fact, it's a remarkable coincidence, at the least, since Thomas Jefferson and John Adams had also died on July 4th, 1826, now this is what's interesting, on the 50th, 50th, anniversary of the Declaration of Independence. Do you know what 50 means to God? Come on, numbers are important to God. We don't, that's right. We don't get obsessed with numerology and stuff, but God is the God of numbers. Numerology copied God, right? God created the seven. God created the 666. That's his word, right? God created the Jubilees. Then numerology came along and tries to mar it. So we're like, oh, we don't touch those numbers. We don't get into all that because that's not God. That's not true. The devil tries to mess up everything that God's doing. God did it as a, as a proof because seven times seven, seven sevens is 49. That's the completion. That's, this is the Bible. It's not me. This is, this is Jewish history. This is Bible history. So the 50th represents a refreshing, a new beginning. It was a jubilee. And do you know what the jubilee, you know what you're supposed to do? It was, it was a year of liberty. It was freedom. On the jubilee, you had to release debt. You had to release homes if you had owned homes. You had to, actually, you had to release slaves. How interesting. God's proof that what he was going to do and continue to do in this nation, that that was going to be released, that whatever bondage, that there was bondage, it was going to be released. Amen. Isn't that incredible? On that date, 50th, come on, tell me that that's a coincidence and not providence. And they knew it when they wrote it. We must know it today. We must believe that God is with us. In fact, you know, I've been doing a lot of thinking these last couple days, and I'm closing here, but but thinking about our foundation, and I thought, you know, even if the founders were completely unaware, let's just play the uh, not God's advocate. I won't, I won't give him any credit. Um, even if the founders were unaware of what was going on and they were just cogs within a machine, right? It cannot be denied that God had his hand on this nation from the beginning. Even if the men themselves were evil, even if history is right that they were all evil and they all had satanic agendas, Illuminati, Masonic agendas for this nation, I guarantee there's some of those things are true. I just don't believe all of them are true. I'm not going to say it again, right? But Satan's in the garden. Of course he would be in the founding of the nation. Even if that was true, I cannot deny, history cannot deny that God had his hand on this nation from the beginning. God was thinking of you and I when he created this place to display what it was to live in freedom, to live in liberty. And it produced a people out of this nation that have run all over the world.
for other nations' wars, other nations' crises. And we have gone, as I mentioned earlier, into the unreachable parts of the world for the gospel because of what God did for us. And that came out of that foundation, the foundation I believe that God was with us, his hand was upon us. I just want to pray now, Lord Jesus, we thank you and we praise you. Lord, just like our founders that look to you, you are the center, Lord, of the whole desire to get here, Lord, to get to this land, to worship God in freedom and in liberty. Lord, just like their hearts were after you, Lord, of course, we know that some were not. Lord, in Israel and in your word, even Judas was not after you and it did not stop your plan. Satan even filled him and condemned you to that cross, but Lord, it was part of your plan. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, that there is no evil that you've been unaware of. In fact, through your word, we can see and know that you use it when evil rises up, when tyranny rises up, even in this hour, Lord, as the destruction of this nation, Lord, is on, we're on the cliff of it. Trying, they're trying to destroy and remove you from this nation. Remove, Lord, all of this history that you were the center of this nation and just take you out and create a new thing. God, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that just like our founding fathers, it's fuel to the fire. I pray that it causes us to pray all the more, to seek you all the more, and to know that there is still a God of providence over this nation who is looking not just with foreknowledge but with provision to our future. And if we will seek him and trust in him, he will bring us through even struggles and trials but to the other side to a promised land, a place of blessing. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.